Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Sunny, 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 sunny. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That was a great start. That was a great start. Hello. Great start. Do we, are we keeping that start? <laughs> <laughs> I am here on this sunny day with or, sunny, or sunny day, sunny day <laughs> with sunny. Because I can't. Now I'm never going to be able to do it. Right. Seriously, I am Bryony Gordon. And I am with Sonny McCartney. Hello. Hello, Sonny. Photographer. We were looking at some of your pictures on the internet earlier, and we were saying, well, my colleague, Kimberly, who I should mention, really, because she never gets any mention, and she produces this whole mad world, mad bonkers podcast, and has to put up with me. But Kimberly was saying that uh, they had a clarity to them, the photos, that she had never seen before, or had not seen recently. So there's lots of pics of there's everyone on there. There's like Adele yeah, sitting a on a lot. sofa, Lionel Richie. Oh yeah, Lionel. Yeah. Harry Styles. Oh yeah, Hazza. Hazza is that what you call him? I just call him H. H. Okay. <laughs> okay. For okay. Sure. And with like Ronnie Woods, lots of the Stones. Is that Pete Doherty on there? Yeah, Pete was live. He was live with Libertines. Okay. Uh, the Hyde Park shows. And who else have you done? What other things have you done? You do fashion. Yeah bit of fashion as well um my main style and kind of base is repertage okay. that's kind of the main part of it so that interlinks with the music side of it so music it's primarily a lot of live stuff mm-hmm. but then now that's kind of gone into the repertage behind the scenes style of things now um and then yeah also fashion's kind of interlinked with that as well mm-hmm. so, and portraiture well none of your i'm gonna say i'm gonna put this in early but there were none of your uncle is it your uncle Yes, uncle. Your, your uncle is Sir Paul. He is indeed. Him Sir Paul. I call him Puh. Puh. <laughs> <laughs> There's not another uncle Puh. Uncle, uncle Puh. Puh. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uncle Puh. Paul McCartney. Well, we're here to talk to you today, not about your famous uncle. We are going to talk about your photographs. We'll put some of them online, hopefully. We'll put a link so that people can go and see them. So, Sonny, 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 this is, this is going to become a joke. The 27, last year, was it last year or was it the year before? Could you uh, talk us through what happened to you? 2016, mm-hmm. I was involved in a kind of motorcycle accident, road traffic accident, I used to say. Um, basically, I was riding a motorcycle and kind of, yeah, came in contact with a car. Yeah. 
it's hard to kind of describe it. The severity of the, of the crash kind of left me. Again, it's hard to kind of describe this, and I don't want to be too blunt. I don't want to be too kind of be blunt. soft with it. Basically, ended up where I lost my lower left leg due to the extensive extent of my injuries uh, from the actual crash. So, so yeah. So you're pu- you're pulling a sort of like very understated kind of oh that's a I bit s- crap face. Like that must have been pretty tough. Yeah. Did did you were you aware that you were losing your leg? Were you conscious? Were you? It was. I remember a lot of it. I've had to kind of recall a lot of it. Again, it's, I don't want to go into too much detail because it is quite graphic. But the funniest part of all of this, I know it's very kind of a tragic story, mm. but that same day I had tickets to go see Stevie Wonder at High Park. It was the British, British Summertime Festival, which I used to be the main stage photographer there, I think, for two or three years. Mm-hmm. Funnily enough, just before I started the ride with my friends, it was just a nice casual ride to go to High Wycombe, nice country ride, Sunday, and then come back again. So you were you, were you big into your motorbikes before? Yeah, yeah. It, it was just something I kind of just fell into. Again, living in London, it was a lot easier to get around, especially with my job being a photographer. It was very easy because majority of the time I just had my camera my backpack and it was cheaper mm-hmm. than the tube it was cheaper than a lot of things because petrol you know to fill up the tank was about 11 14 quid mm-hmm. which is insane and it's it? kind of cool right yeah i think so well i get i was you know for me i i love classic bikes i never liked you kind of super bikes mm-hmm. i've got nothing against those bikes but for me i love the old school bikes so my first one was like this little 125 but looked like a classic i kind of customized it and you know made it you know, my style as such and then after getting my license i decided to just have a nice summer bike which was a harley davidson oh, i thought as you do why not I, again you know you just have to kind of go a bit crazy if and you're just look, go, if you're gonna do it you yeah. may as well get a Harley Davidson. I don't know much about bikes, but that sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah, it's it's a kind of like American dream, kind of, you yeah. know, go In big or go home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but for me, it was great. It was this old 1998 purple. It was, you know, being customized by another bike builder, so it looked beautiful, but it was, you know, brand new tires, and it was a really nice bike, and again, had a lovely sound to it. My neighbors absolutely hated me, even speaking to my neighbor after my crash, because I was like saying, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. He was a really great neighbor, and he was like, saying or you know i really wanted you to go because what you do you get on your bike you'd start it up and you get it warmed up and you put your gloves on and everything but while it's idling so what's that it's noise quite loud. That it makes the kind of yeah, it's like, yeah. you know it's quite funny there's videos of people like slapping their belly so it's like <laughs> it's a weird sound i don't know and yes yeah, so i was on that bike and again it was one of these things that we, even when we were on the ride i remember going there and it was like a national speed limit, which was like 60, and I think we were going to, you know, 40 or something. I tried to put the throttle down. It doesn't, because it was just an old bike. It just, it wasn't fast at all. It was just an old, heavy bike that I just never, never into, you know, fast bikes. And mm. so, so yeah, I, I just kind of you grown. seem like a pretty chill guy like I feel like it would have been about being in the outdoors kind of not uh, about showing off yeah it was more if anything the style and the kind of characteristics of being on a bike again all this old Steve McQueen and all that side of it with his old triumphs and you know mm. in India they've got the beautiful BSAs and I just got into that culture of old vintage bikes because they're just beautiful and just even how you know like the ones that have got the sidecars and just amazing to see those kind of bikes and I, I just I went to all the bike shows and bike events and things like that a funny thing ages ago they said you'll never see 
a motorcycle outside of a psychiatrist's office because they say that the bike is your psychiatrist. Really? You get out there and you just ride. You don't think. And that's what our ride was on Sunday. You don't really say to your friend, oh, let's go have a drive to High Wickham and back. You're like, no, you're going to get stuck in traffic. It's a yeah, nightmare. Yeah. But if you're on a bike... You yeah. get to go all the nice country roads and it's a lot more chilled and you can kind of stop off wherever so, you want. So it was a kind of really good thing for your mental health? Yeah, it was nice. It was a nice thing. You know, sometimes if I got stressed or sometimes if I had a long day at work, you kind of go, get to ride home. When I started riding, I used to have a half face, but I got rid of it and got a full face, mainly for safety and warmth. Helmet. Yeah, yeah. helmet. So you get your half face, which again, you can see more, you know, mm-hmm. and you can not see more as such, but you feel the wind and everything on your face a lot more. It's a weird one to describe, but you have a lot more connection mm-hmm. in a way of, of riding. And, and there's all little things like tweaking it. And for me, sucker for punishment when I had to decide to get an old bike you're having to do it up and a friend of mine he built his own bike in his bedroom so he was able to help me and, and our like kind of group of friends and things like that we all used to just chip in and help each other and I'm still on a, like a whatsapp group with some friends who still ride and everything and just hearing all of them getting new bikes and fitting new parts and things like that and it's like a nice little community yeah. so it's a kind of like which men don't always get to, or, mm. or have or find as easy to have as women I suppose yeah, it's it, it's kind of like it's not commu- I, I'd say it's a community as such, but it's more of a just a something you can do instead of like going to the pub. Yeah. Again, when you're riding, you're always sober. You know, it's mm. like you just f- you're fascinated with your bikes and with your mates, and it, yeah, it is kind of like a kind of stress relief and, and mm-hmm. a thing that helps you unwind. So then, so you're going with your mate out on a Sunday afternoon to High Wycombe. You got plans to see Stevie Wonder later. It's all pretty good. Yeah, it was uh, a perfect Sunday <laughs> so far. A bit cloudy in the morning, but then cleared up by the time we kind of set off. And yeah, it was a really nice day, a bit chilly, but you get used to it. Um, I'm northern as well, so I'm very <laughs> used to the cold. And yeah, so it was, it was just one of those things that it was something that you can kind of say back to it. Maybe if I didn't check my phone before setting off to confirm the tickets or maybe if one or two traffic lights when you know I might have in a different way exactly it's all those kind of things one of the kind of toughest parts of the whole crash for me was my girlfriend basically when I was leaving she was like saying oh can I come with you basically and I was like saying oh no it's just me and me and my mate just want to go out just me and him kind of thing and that funnily enough I didn't realize that I didn't remember that until I was in hospital and I kind of broke down off that because I was just thinking imagine I'm a good rider and, and again, always had a clean licence with, with my car as well. Again, Touchwood never had a crash. And that scared the life out of me because even though being a good rider and even though the way the crash happened... I couldn't live with myself. She would have been on the back, presumably, yeah. riding pillion. She has many times ridden on the back of my bike. So your friend, was was he on the back of your bike? Or was no, he, he was on his own bike in front of me. Right, okay. Yeah, cool. so it's one of these things. He was in front of me, went forwards, and then obviously where the crash happened, I wasn't obviously behind him. And by that stage, already the crash had happened. So yeah, so by that time he turned rack and, and everything. But yeah, it was one of those things that I kind of remember being hit, and it was the first ever bike crash I've ever had. So were you on a on a main road or? A- yeah, I was on a main road, and basically this car came out of a side road and kind of hit me side on to kind of be as blunt as that. And yeah, so that basically threw me across the roads as well as my bike. 
obviously at the time it was all just so quick and you don't even think about it you know it just all happens within an instant and funnily enough for me I just kind of thought again luckily my girlfriend her mum is a paramedic so in my head I was like don't get up don't move just in case you could have a neck injury you could have a spinal injury you see all the TV shows yeah, where yeah, they're yeah. just like get the splint quickly you know all those casualty yeah we've all done it you know yeah, we yeah, watch yeah. those A&E programs so for me I panicked so I was like oh I'm still in the road so I think I remember kind of shuffling up onto the curb by this time adrenaline was completely covering me and I kind of looked down and I just thought I had a broken leg funnily enough I just thought oh god you know my leg's broken again later on when I thought it was all cool and collective I was kind of like ow this hurts to be very polite it kind of got very real after that in terms of the adrenaline started to wear off and I started to realise that this is a bit more serious and then luckily by that time people in cars and stuff near me got out came to my aid and were just like you know helping me and funnily enough again there was a guy called Marcus who came and put a tourniquet on my leg because I didn't really look down too much Mm -hmm. I thought I kind of knew it was worse than a broken leg but I didn't know too much and I tried not to look at it in case I fainted and I know again in my head casualty and through my girlfriend's mum of if you pass out, it's going to be very difficult for them to help. So, mm. in a way, I wanted to kind of stay, you stay, stay conscious. Yeah, stay conscious. So, he put a tourniquet on my leg, and I didn't know. And at the time, I was like, "Oh no, don't do it! Oh, it hurts." But then I realised, "Oh no!" I said, "Yeah, it's a good idea. It's a good idea." But he used his jumper because obviously he just got out. He was in a taxi behind. He got out, put a tourniquet on my leg, and I didn't even know that I was losing a lot of blood through you know the actual kind of impact. And I ended up getting airlifted to Oxford because it was, you know, basically called me a code red, which is you're losing a lot of blood. You need to go. There was actually a hospital, funnily enough, one of those big kind of ambulances that carry old people around. Um, One of those rocked up super quick. I think they arrived even quicker than the police because the hospital's not actually too far away. But they knew that they couldn't take me to that hospital. I had to go to a special trauma hospital. So they had to airlift me. Were you aware of this going on or presumably a helicopter landing? For me, the funniest part and the way I deal with things is comedy. Mm -hmm. A lot of people deal with things in different ways. For me, comedy has always been my shield of showing real emotion. So at the time, I'm there cracking jokes. My mate, Luke, by the time the adrenaline, my pain threshold's kicking in now and he's he's a big lad so he's holding me down he's holding me down other people are there putting stuff behind me Marcus is there putting the tourniquet on my leg and I'm there going oh damn it I've got the Stevie Wonder tickets you know uh. and that was my main thought I was like oh god damn it you know and all that and, and yeah by that time I just started like saying oh, I need morphine I need morphine again just through films and everything you're like what yeah. do you need morphine I don't, yeah. I don't want aspirin or I don't want drugs. paracetamol I want drugs <laughs> And the funniest part as well, again, it was all a blur, you know, I think even the policeman spoke to me, I can't remember that, you know. And all these kind of different people came out of nowhere and all this kind of thing, and I remember the sun blurring down my face. But then the air ambulance rocked up. Once the air ambulance crew rock up, the main paramedic, he or she takes over, and they are the serious ones. They are the ones that just take over. They're like, listen, this is what we're going to do, da 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 And I'm there going, I, you know, I need some drugs now, I really need some drugs, I need someone to take this pain away because my adrenaline's wearing off, I'm in a lot of pain, I'm losing... I didn't know I was losing a lot of blood because I was literally just facing up the whole time. They ended up 
I didn't even know until I got into the hospital. They ended up giving me ketamine, which is basically a horse tranquilizer. And I literally went from talking normally to just see, like, I literally was like, just like, starfished. It was, I, my, everything just shut off. And everyone's like, is he all right? And he's like, yeah, he's gone, you know, mm. but he's still awake which is the main thing that what they wanted to do and I just remember seeing colours that's all it was and then obviously they transferred me to the air ambulance and (laughs) it's basically I just remember waking up in the air ambulance and I just kind of panicked and I was like what's going on and obviously by this time I've been pumped with quite a lot of drugs that I obviously never used to you know so your body's just going mental I'm going mental I'm like why am I, in a, am I in an air ambulance and I'm starting to grab like things and luckily the guy paramedic just held me down saying listen my name is such and such we're an air ambulance going to the John Radcliffe in Oxford and me being the com- comedian that I am and me being drugged up to the way I am I just went oh am I in a jelly wopter a jelly wopter <laughs> I, I don't know where that came from. Had you ever been in a jelly wopter before? I haven't been in it. Well, <laughs> not you? in that way. No. Not in that way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a weird one. And then I remember it was landing again. It was all just a massive kind of big blur, very quick blur. And oh God, I felt I felt really bad as well. I, the funniest one when I was lying there on the side of the road. I was like saying uh, to my mate Luke, who's with me. I said, Luke thank everybody thank everybody for the help and he went mate they're all still here they're all next year <laughs> they can all hear you and I went oh okay thanks everyone yeah, thanks everyone because we were again very British very polite um, yes. <laughs> and I remember being because where the John Rucker where the helipad was at the hospital I had to get into an ambulance to transfer me to the actual main building and by that time I had a lot of drugs I think they gave me more whatever and I ended up like kind of I was like oh I'm going to be sick I'm going to be sick so they had to like tilt me to, <laughs> to be yeah. sick yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know why this is the bit that that makes me feel I'm like you know the whole thing is pretty horrific for you really sick, yeah. being a bit sick was probably just like oh I know well again I've not gone into too much details about it because it's not you know the most pleasant of hearing really it's quite a lot of it's quite graphic and again I learned a lot of this afterwards when people told me do you think that your brain was sort of protecting you because actually as you said if you'd looked down if you'd looked properly you would have seen the, the, the full oh, enormity of what yeah. was happening to you funnily enough my phone was strapped to my bike because I was doing sat nav for the majority of the ride and then Luke he took over and took the lead and I remember being there and I was like I wanted to take photos you know, you just literally had a crash. You know, you want to take photos. It was weird. And I was like, oh, Luke, take photos, take photos. So he's got, I said, listen, I never want to see them. I've seen some other ones of like where the bike landed and stuff and the state of the bike after, you know, you just you kind of heart sings. It's just a beautiful bike. And it's completely <laughs> knackered. And all the, you know, the car that hit me, that damage and all that side of it. And you, obviously it helped me because obviously I don't know this area. I don't know the roads or anything. So you're just like, what's going on kind of thing. And, and one of those is he's got a photo of your leg and I was like I never want to see that I do not want to see that even to this day after I can talk about it and not that that's one I don't think I'd like to ever see it's that would be quite the upsetting part of it so yeah I ended up again it was all a blur after getting to the hospital and I remember 
just about to go into operation. It's, it's weird because, again, you kind of think to yourself, Backy, like, you, t- you want to kick off more. You want to be like, what's going on and what's happened to my leg or anything? It was all just a weird blur. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it was normal. It was like, this is a process that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. I just need to let it happen. Again, with my girlfriend's mum being a paramedic, I just knew that if I helped and tried to do, you know, even things like saying to my friend, giving him, shouting him a passcode just before the ketamine really kicked in so he could ring my family and my girlfriend and all that stuff and and just trying to help. And there's like, how old are you? How tall are you? Are you allergic to anything? So I was just trying to help them as much as possible because if I was out of it, or then it would make their job a lot harder and, and all those things. So, but yeah, sorry, back and forth tangents. No, so um, you're in the, in the John Radcliffe. So in John Radcliffe and I'm just about to go into surgery and... It was basically going into the anaesthetist bit, you know, when they yeah. do it before the operation. And I, funnily enough, remember it because years and years ago, very random, I had an ingrown toenail and I went for an operation. You have to go and have the anaesthetic before you then go into thing. And I was awake at that one because it was just a basic one. And the doctor said he was talking to me, but I just didn't really hear it. And then I, just, I think I was like, then shouting for him. I was like, getting back, getting back. Because he like walked off and then he came back and I just said, can you save my leg? I think I remember just saying, can you save my leg? I I don't know why. I think maybe because I just overheard things of people saying, Mm. it ain't looking good. And I just remember, and then he, all I remember him saying was, we'll see in theatre. We'll see what happens in theatre, what we can and cannot do. And then, yeah, obviously had the operation. I funnily enough then remember waking up in the recovery ward where I had a recovery nurse, I think her name was Jenny, and... And again, by this point, I've had a lot of drugs pumped into my system. And it was funny because, again, the comedy kind of aspect came into it. And I'm there and I'm like, oh, this is a weird one as well for me because technically I died. I didn't even know, but basically because the amount of drugs that have been in my system, I'm only little as well. I'm not a big guy. I'm not used to, I don't smoke or anything like that, so I'm not used, I'm not a massive drinker as well, so that really, and she, funnily enough, had to hit me in my arm to keep really? me awake, because obviously I'm just wanting to kind of like just zonk out, and she's like, no, stay awake, stay awake, and she got chatting to me, and we were chatting and stuff, and then, and then she was like, oh, and then I was like, oh, what, what are you doing tonight? You know, just like, just passing comments and stuff, and she's like, oh, my boyfriend's making burgers. <laughs> I'm quite a foodie, so then I was like saying, oh, how, how does he make his burgers? You know, and, yeah. I, and I was like saying, how does he cook it? And she was great. And she, funnily enough, even though she's a recovery nurse, later on came upstairs and saw me, which is really nice of her. She didn't have to at all. Like, she was just someone just working in one department, but later on came and found me. And it really meant a lot to me because she was the first person who kind of I started talking to after the operation. And even then, funnily enough, I didn't even know what had happened because, again, I was still heavily sedated in a way. It was only until I got up to the ward. And, yeah, it was... It was I still, to this day, it's weird that I did look down, obviously, and you do notice you don't have two... Was that when you first became aware that it had been amputated? Yeah. I think that's when, obviously, you're saying to the doctor, can you save my leg? And then, you know, you kind of realise, oh, it's not that. And for some weird reason, I don't know why, still to this day, I wasn't like, oh, you know, I wasn't screaming, I wasn't angry or anything. It was weird. It was just like I knew it was going to happen. Like yeah. I knew that that was the case. So sort of like you, you knew it had to be done kind of thing. 
Yeah, I think it was just a weird realization of what had happened as such. Like, you know, when people are saying, oh, people have bad crashes, people, you know, bikes die and lose limbs or end up in wheelchairs and things from accidents. And, and yeah, just talking to so many people from all kind of walks of life afterwards and just hearing their stories. And it sucks because I've had, again, a lot of time to think about these kind of things. You think about other people who have lost limbs and things like that, and, and you kind of think to yourself, am I a bad person? You know, am I... Did I deserve this? Uh, and you think back to yourself... Fair enough if I was going a million miles an hour. Fair enough if I was on a super bike with no thought about anyone else in the world. Mm. You know, all those kind of things mm. you just think to yourself. Why me? Yeah, but you is, know. But has that changed in a way, your view on life? I mean, mm. it's a terrible, tragic, horrible accident. And as you said, it's that one of those really hard things in life that you have to kind of get to grips with is that shit things happen to good people. Well, th- that's it. For me, I ended up suffering from anxiety and maybe other mental health issues afterwards. And I spent a lot of time thinking about these things. And there was a massive part of anger. The person who hit me, there's a massive part of anger. But you have to kind of consider that I was lucky. I, funnily enough, to remember as well, I had a fractured eye socket from, from the crash. It was minor, but all these... Sounds pretty major to me. <laughs> Like, I think I would be pretty pissed off. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love the way you're having to go, you yeah, I had a fractured eye socket, you know, you lost your left left leg, you know, and actually these are quite big. The fractured eye socket sounds like quite a big thing to me, Sonny. Please don't, don't be a <laughs> sugar martyr. Sugarcoat it. Don't sugarcoat it. Just, you know. Yeah. Well, the thing is, this is the way I've been able to cope with it. Yeah. What's happened, happened. Again, you see young children who get cancer you know what have they done they're like three four years old and they get and it's like what have they done one woman who i met her name is victoria milligan don't know if you know her. Oh, whose family were she, he she was i think a, an executive or someone at sky, sky yeah and they were on a boat speedboat in cornwall cornwall yeah it spun out of control didn't it and he died some of the children died things one of the children died yeah yeah she lost her she lost a leg. She lost a leg. One of the children had minor injuries. But that was one of the things that made me realise that when I'm going through, oh, woe is me and why did this happen to me and all that stuff, for me to hang on to that anger is never going to help no, anything. I totally can see that. And so when I see the likes of Victoria, and she, funnily enough, goes to the same prosthetic centre as me, so I've been fortunate enough to meet her. And just hearing her story, just that really got me of going, you can't complain. That single instance, she became a widow, an amputee, and a single mother within an instant. And that's where you've got to count your blessings because things could be a lot worse. Again, the way that that happened was a total freak accident. Mine, again, was an accident. So it's one of those that you kind of think it could have been a lot worse. But also, because I know there might be people listening to this thinking, well, actually, that's actually fucking shit what's happened to you. It isn't a game of comparison, do you know what I mean? It's shit, you lost your leg. Anger is allowed, anger is... But presumably, like you said, you get to that stage, you're like, well, I can live... You know, that accident has robbed me of my leg. Is it going to rob me of my well-being for the rest of my life? Mm. Am I going to let that happen? Fuck no. I mean, I don't know. I'm lucky enough that I that I haven't had an accident like that, but I can see how, actually, 
you know, there's that kind of theory of that sort of psychological theory that the universe doesn't throw at you anything you can't deal with. Do you mm. know what I mean? Has it actually, in a way, I know this is going to sound like a really, maybe a controversial question, but has it maybe enriched your life in the way that you perceive things? Massively, yes. Mm. One of the things that I kind of say to myself after this crash is, I know this is corny as hell, but I don't know why I say this, but I kind of call myself Sunny 2.0. I could have not survived that. Simple as. It's just total simple fact. I could have easily not survived that. I've now been given this chance. Don't waste it. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that I don't want to take things for granted. And after after really realising what had happened, you know, I went through the anger. You know, all those stages of anger depression, happiness, sadness, everything. And you kind of think to yourself, you've got to realise that, I love this saying of, don't let the bastards get you down. Mm. And that's it, is don't let this stop you. One of the things was I saw the film Stronger recently, yeah. which was about the Boston bombings, the marathon bombing. And it was about the story of this guy who, God, I've completely forgotten his name Jake now. Jake Gyllenhaal playing him? Jake Gyllenhaal played him. And he lost both of his legs. Well, he was running the marathon. No, he was just a bystander. Okay. He was there cheering on, at the time, his Mm ex-girlfriend. But he was obviously wanting to win her back. So he was there with a handmade sign, and he was right next to one of the bombers, walked past him and everything. That film, I watched it on a plane recently. Like, my girlfriend was next to me, she said, oh, I don't want to watch that, don't want to watch that. And for me, I was like, I kind of want to watch it because... It's similar to mine, but it's not the same. You know, mine was a motorbike crash. His was something completely different. I genuinely was on the plane crying. It was too many things on that were too close to home. You know, there was a lot of things like... The number one thing for me was the likes of Marcus, who saved my life, and my family who were and friends who were there by my side the whole time. You know, it's my parents... Once they found out, they drove straight all the way from the world up north, straight down to Oxford. Like non-stop, they just went all the way down. You know, my girlfriend, luckily my friend Luke, who's riding with me, he went back home, got his car, picked up my girlfriend. She came over and all that stuff. Other friends, they rented a car and came to Oxford. And all of that side of it was, when I was watching this film, I was like, wow, this is very, very similar. And one of the things in the film, it was all about Boston Strong. They kept on saying, oh, Boston Strong and all that. And they were saying how, like, oh, you know, you didn't let them win. It's like, what do you mean? I was just standing there. I, you know, what do you mean I didn't let them win? I just was standing there. I don't want to spoil the film. I don't want to spoil the film because it is a very good film. And even funnily enough, Rosie, obviously, McGovern was like, going, you're, you're right, you're right. I was like, I'm invited. I'll talk about it in a minute. And after she watched it, obviously it hit home a lot more for me, but she was like, that was a really good film. You can hear her talking to her friends, like saying, that was a really good film. But it is that point of, yeah, it sucks what happened to you, but I'm very fortunate as well because I had a lot of people saying to me I wouldn't have been able to cope with it the way you have. I had people saying I've completely changed the way I drive. You know, and I've, I'm a lot more cautious now after hearing about your accident. Since the accident, I've not been on a bike. You know, I've not wanting to get back on a bike. Obviously, the fear of getting back on a bike, but then also it's just the interest of it is kind of gone away unfortunately for me Um, maybe one day I would like to say that I'd like to get back on a bike because again get back on the horse you know don't want to let anything kind of stop me but I think just due to the way I am again with being a freelance photographer you're always constantly not kind of looking after yourself but you have to kind of put a roof over your own head Mm -hmm. you don't have a boss and I think because I did that for so long I had to then put that mentality into what happened to me and it was either fight or flight Mm -hmm. 
But I could have easily kind of just went, oh, God, well, that's me just done. Just given up. Yeah, that's me done. Or went, no, actually, no, stick it out, work hard and get back to where you're going. Because, again, one of the main things that triggered my anxiety was, am I going to be able to carry on doing my job? Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to be able to carry on doing what I only know what to do? You know, I don't know any of the skills I was not a very well educated kid because I didn't like school and, and and it was it was one of those things that you know I wasn't the most intellectual of people so GCSEs and all that weren't too great <laughs> so photography helped a lot so once you kind of realise that you're like oh god what am I going to do with my life you know and it really really kind of hit home but you're still doing brilliant photography yeah you've got a prosthetic have you yeah what's it like is it just is it become the norm to you? Obviously, it has. That's a silly question, but yeah, it has to be. End mm. of the day, at the beginning, yeah, it was difficult. It was very difficult. I was again very fortunate. The fact that only one leg was affected. I've heard stories. One guy I know who he was a, he was a young lad from Cambridge. That story really hit home for me as well because he was just walking home after I think he's like passing his A levels or something. He was meant to be going on holiday the next day. A hit and run mm-hmm. with a guy who was going 80 miles an hour hit him and his friends they were just walking home you know that was it and the driver was high and drugged and you know everything under the book he ended up getting caught and went to the jail but this lad ended up losing his leg and ended up with his other leg badly damaged as well so mm-hmm. he was wheelchair bound for a lot longer than me and it was just horrible to hear his story he struggled a lot and you just think to yourself you know someone in their late teens to have that happen to you it was heartbreaking to hear but to see him now fighting through it and i met him and another amputee and they're both now one of them's a pt personal trainer mm-hmm. He's now getting really into it, and I see videos on Instagram and all, and these guys are absolutely killing it, and just like and they're absolutely ripped. It's insane. Like they literally put <laughs> everyone in any gym you go to, they will put you to shame. These two, they are insane. So you're on Instagram, and you're kind of using Instagram to tell your story. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And what's your Instagram handle, Sonny? It's just Sonny McCartney. Okay. If you want to go on there. I just want to ask you, I've noticed uh, around your neck you have a necklace. It's a foot. This is brand new. So it was last week I was in New York and there's a shop called Evolution Mm. and they do like loads of taxidermy and things. I've got another one of a hand Uh and I saw this and I was like, I have to get it because it's just so funny. I love it. I love it. It's just irony. It's just irony. Yeah, I thought, why I not like, a tiny silver foot? Why not a tiny silver foot? And, that, and that's it for me. Again, the comedy aspect yeah. is like, for me, that's how, you know, again, with Instagram, I love doing Instagram stories and things like when I was on the beach recently. Again, with prosthetics, it's not as easy as you. A lot of them have got multiple legs. You know, you've got your running blade. You know, you've got your running leg. You've got your wet leg. You've got your ski leg. You've got... <laughs> It's honestly this. So how many legs did you have to take on holiday with you? Well, no, for me, unfortunately, I've only got one at the moment. Okay. But they're not cheap. That's the problem. Yeah. Eventually, yeah, I will get myself a running blade. And there's even one which connects to your phone. Shut it's, the front door. It's, yeah, basically got microprocessors in it. And it, you can actually adjust it to what shoe you're wearing. The technology now, because you can see the people with bionic hands and bionic mm. arms, it's the same kind of 
concept but with legs um, even for above knee amputees they'll have a microprocessor knee joint which helps them when sitting down getting up giving them that spring to wow. go and that's where a lot of these feet do help there's a couple on the market at the moment some do different to others but it's still early days of the technology and eventually now i have a big hope for it because in fact of like what you can do with an iphone what are you going to be able to do with a foot because the thing is the reason why these prosthetic limbs are so expensive is basically what you're trying to do is recreate normal function mm-hmm you want to get back to where you were and that's the main thing for me is I want to be back to where I was you know, I want to be able to you know beforehand I was going to the gym frequently because of work you know I did a lot of core work for my back so I know a lot of photographers have done their back in so lean down because you're leaning yeah. down your head holding heavy, heavy equipment. equipment I was traveling a lot prior to my crash as well so having to transport a lot of stuff with me I had to go to the gym because I know certainly I had that fear of I don't want to be age of 50 wearing a back brace or something like yeah, that yeah. you know you want to be able to preempt that and I saw people and I was like alright I want to make sure I do this right I'm still going to the gym you know so I'm now having to work a lot harder because I'm now having to retrain myself mm-hmm. and now build up strength back into this leg because obviously early days I was relying on my good leg and even that I have to train up a lot because if that goes if I have any problems with that mm-hmm. that's not going to be so fun I love your spirit I love like your sense of you know, you choose to approach something. We are as happy as we make up our minds to be sometimes. Mm. And you kind of choose to approach this in such a positive way. And it's pretty admirable. Oh, thank you. So thank you so much for... So you're going to continue, just a quick last question. You're going to continue to kind of document your... Well, put all your work on Instagram, but also document your journey. Yeah, I'm slowly getting there. It's taken me a while to even come out and, you know, to kind of talk about it. I posted a year of the anniversary of my crash. I posted a picture on my Instagram of my leg out. For me, again, having it out, it took a lot for me because... I don't want to create attention to myself. You know, you know, I used to do little tests of going to the shops with my shorts on in the summer, but I would always wear sunglasses so I can stare at people mm-hmm. to see what their reaction were. And it's funny because, again, I used to have massive anxieties. I had to see two shrinks. It affected me a lot, all of this. And this is why the biggest part and the biggest struggle I thought personally had from it was my anxiety, the kind of struggles through the mental health aspect mm-hmm. of it. And that's where now that's a big part of my life. And that's why listening to all your podcasts has been amazing because you can hear from all different kinds of people who haven't had an accident, who haven't gone through the same thing, but still all on the same page. Me posting that picture of me and my leg out, I had one person, a friend of mine, she just out of the blue contacted me saying, I'm basically suffering from mental health issues at the moment and I'm kind of doing the, it was, uh, I think, the maybe the same marathon you did? The London Marathon, which is heads th- together. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was once very similar mm. and she basically messaged me out of the blue saying, I was really struggling with getting out the door mm-hmm. and going and practice runs, you know, and all that. But then I saw your post and I went out the same day, mm-hmm. you know, because I just saw what you put out and that's what helped me a lot. This is why Instagram can be a blessing and it can be a curse at the same time. I personally think that the people that you follow is the biggest part. If you're following people that are 
perceiving themselves in different lights and perceiving themselves different filters exactly yeah yeah yeah, I really think that's a kind of rebellion on Instagram Mm. because I think that's great I'll all only show myself in a non-filtered light you know I'll get my belly out or something because it's got to be real and I think that's really important and I think you should really well I'll give you a massive fucking pat on the back I should stop swearing for a coming on here and talking about it but going out there and doing that and because you know it is a big step but it will help a lot of people <laughs> I want to say like a big step that's like really terrible so it is it's a big it's a big don't shoot yourself in the it's a big, stop it <laughs> it is a big decision to make I've got, I've got them all but it's a really great thing because you will inspire people you won't just inspire other amputees you'll inspire people that have both their limbs but are, you know and I think that's a really really powerful thing to do and it's really fucking inspiring and I'm really glad you came on I had I was sort of on the verge of tears at one bit I was so intrigued I'm so your story I was so like that like hand you can't see because this is a podcast but I was so like what ne-? you know and then what happened that I forgot to ask you the first question that we're supposed to ask every podcast guest so I'm going to ask it at the end is that okay Kimberly that is fine is that okay that we do it now we can do that the beauty of okay. editing okay so but no, I think we'll just put it at the end. This works. It's good. How are you, really, <laughs> today? How are you feeling after that? How are you feeling after getting all that off your chest? It's quite an interesting one doing at the end. Yeah. Because, funny enough, obviously, everyone goes on about the Harry one, just when everyone's saying, oh, I'm fine, and things like that. And yeah, I know what you mean. That question, it's an interesting one, I find, because I think it's, it's a thrown-away question. Yeah. I think it's just a, how are you? And I think that question you have to think about it and when yeah people say how are you I would always respond yeah I'm fine Mm -hmm. same aspect with me covering up my leg you don't want attention you just want to just get through it Mm -hmm. whereas that question actually means a lot to certain people and and to some people where when you do actually ask that question you've got to mean it there was this thing ages ago with someone saying about relationships sorry I'm going off on a tangent very quickly when you ask your other half how is work if you don't mean it why are you asking it and that's it and if you're excited for their response well then there's that's a good relationship and that's the same thing with you know a good friend of mine as well he used to go to parties and he'd purposely ask how people were and things like yeah when you say how are you you can be honest i will be totally honest i had a bit of anxiety before coming on here Mm -hmm. you know it's it is daunting to come on and, and to talk about your life in that way for me at the early stages it really sucked and to now be able to have that confidence it's taken time but just being able to go I can just talk about it and be open because the main thing is you fear rejection you fear a negative response but if you can just realize that actually not once has anyone turned around to me and said Ugh, whatever no yeah. you're not sorry you're boring me yeah, ex- exactly exactly <laughs> so for me yeah I'm all right <laughs> But if I'm having one of those days, I'm more than happy to open up to anyone. And that's the main thing that helped me through my anxiety was I was honest. I just gave up with holding it in. Mm -hmm. I gave up and literally saying it to one of our friends, I just said, you know what? I'm not doing too well. You know, my mind is in a thousand pieces right now. I literally want to run out of here very slowly but (laughs) I'll hop out of it Um, and yeah it's one of those things that once I was able to open up and talk to people about my feelings 
it helped me so much. And then now, whenever I talk to someone and say, how are you and stuff like that, I just want to talk to them. I just want to be able to... It's like when you go to a psychiatrist, what is their job? They just listen. listen. Mm-hmm. And that's where the likes of my girlfriend helped me through my anxiety because she was right next to me and all she did was listen. And that helped me so much. She didn't butt in. She didn't suggest. She just listened to me. And there's a thing with the mental health awareness uh, thing not too long ago. And I posted something on Instagram and it was about, I can't remember the quote exactly, but it was basically saying, let me help myself by just venting basically like let, let me just talk and then you just listen and that is the key fundamental to all of it is just being able to talk to someone while they listen so that now we can break down the boundaries of how are you and just expecting the boring reply mm. you know when you get people who turn around and go well to be honest bus driver was late or da 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 and I'm stressed this guy cut me off or you know whatever all those little things are just people opening up and that helps and it opens up the bigger picture of don't be afraid to to really let people know how you are because at the end of the day we are all human none of us are perfect and fine all the time we all have our off days so when yeah that question comes about don't just go oh i'm fine i'm fine and and put under the rug is you know open up you'll never know you'll be surprised you'll be surprised of what people can say and and I'm completely rambling now. No, you're not. It's great. <laughs> I was like the most. You're like you no. I'm really, really glad. Small. I like that we asked it at the end, and I'm, I just want to thank you for coming on and opening up. I'm really excited for people to hear this and to see the response that we're going to get. I'm totally. I think I'm already following you on Instagram, but if I'm just, ch- I'm going to double check just in case I'm not, and I'm going to go and follow you immediately. That's the first thing I'm going to do. Thank you so much, Sunny. Thank, thank you for you having for coming. me. And, um, fun. Thank you for making me laugh and cry. <laughs> <laughs> if you've been affected by anything we've talked about in our podcast today, a comprehensive list of mental health services is available on our website, which is www.telegraph.co.uk forward slash madworld. If you want help right now, the following organisations offer free and confidential support over the phone. The Samaritans can be reached 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 116-123. Or you can contact the mental health charity Mind for advice on a range of mental health issues. Their phone number is 0300-123-3393. That's 0300-123-3393. And they're accessible 9am to 5pm, Monday to Friday, excluding bank holidays. Finally, there's Young Minds, who provide support if you're a parent or a carer worried about a child's welfare. They're on 0808 802 5544. That's 0808 802 5544. And remember this, you are not alone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.